Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, July 5th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and as previously noted, at least once a week in advance of the 2021 NBA draft that's scheduled for July 29th, we will be dedicating an episode of the Eye on College Basketball Podcast to a notable prospect. Today, we turn our attention to another likely lottery pick, national champion Davion Mitchell. He's a six foot two guard from Hinesville, Georgia, who was ranked as the 33rd best prospect in the class of 2017, according to 24-7 Sports. Started his college career at Auburn, helped Bruce Pearl win an SEC regular season title in 2018, then transferred to Baylor. Sat out 2018-19 season per stupid former NCAA rules. Then he was the Big 12 Newcomer of the Year in the 2019-20 season, that was, of course, cut short by the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Then he helped Baylor win the 2021 national title by averaging 14 points, 5.5 assists in 33 minutes per game. He shot 51.1% from the field, 44.7% from three, and that was on 4.7 three-point attempts per contest. Beyond that, he was the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. So Davion Mitchell is efficient offensively, incredible defensively, and that's among the reasons I have him going seventh to the Golden State Warriors in the 2021 NBA Draft dead leg. I think Davion Mitchell is a 22-year-old guard who will be 23 in September, who is ready to be impactful for a playoff-caliber team on both ends of the court as a rookie. You agree or disagree? Define impactful. He'll be a real rotation player for a real team, provided he's on a real team. I would say, well, I think all the teams are real. No, that's not true. That is just the magic are not real. Okay. (laughs) The magic are not real. You know what? Magic isn't real. So, you know what? You, You lawyered me right off the top. Didn't see that one coming. Cornered me right away. Here's what I mean. If if he is fortunate enough to be selected by a team that is a legitimate playoff contender next season, he can be a real rotation player for that type of team. This isn't somebody who, as a rookie, will just get minutes for a bad team if he's on a bad team. He, he'll clearly get minutes on a bad team. I think, and this isn't true for all rookies, even all lottery picks, I think he could play real productive minutes for a good team as a rookie. I think he would be player 9 or 10 off the bench for a real team, as you say, and and we've, this is the first one that we've done here of these episodes where I, I'm just, I vacillate more on his long-term NBA future than I even want to. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm torn. And I don't think that I should be like, so I saw what Davion Mitchell did this past season. He was terrific. Terrific. In fact, let me compare his past season numbers to his career. So last season, 14 points, 5.5 assists, 2.7 boards. On 51% overall shooting and 44% from three-point line. His PER, according to College Sports Reference, was 21.8, which is a really good number for a guard. PER at the college level, particularly 
tends to benefit big men more than guards. So 21.8 is a good number. For his career, started at Auburn before he got to Baylor, nine points, 2.1 boards, 3.6 assists, 46% from the field overall, 37.6 from three, 15.3 PER. And that takes into account what he did last year. I wonder, hmm. See, to me, he is a classic case of production versus projection, which... I guess at a basic elemental level is what every GM is tasked with. I get that. But with Mitchell GP, it does seem like a pretty compelling challenge. Here were his NCAA tournament numbers. And they're solid. They were 13. I, I used the tournament numbers specifically because he had the benefit of playing six games in the tournament. So we have a decent sample size against some good competition. 13.5 points, 5.8 board uh, assists, 2.8 boards, 1.7 steals on 58% from inside the three-point arc and 36% from outside three. He had 15.6 boards and five dimes against Gonzaga in the championship game. I think there's a chance here. I think there's a chance, a decent chance that Mitchell, and I'm not, I'm not one of these NBA ageists, you know, he's going to be 23 in September, basically puts him almost four years older than plenty of guys that are going to go before him. I get all that, but there's a chance that I think that he might have had a really, really, really good junior season, a redshirt junior season as a college player, fantastic year. And then I, I don't know, is there going to be a lot of room to go up? There could be, obviously. I'm not saying that there won't. But to me, we talked about this briefly online before we started the podcast. I thought we'd be in a, opposing corners here. I don't think we are that much. I just wonder a little bit here, a little bit, if we might not look up and see, you know, four years from now, five years from now, that he's a good NBA player, Elite defensively, it reminds me of Jevin Carter in a, in a, lot, in a lot of ways, but I, I don't know if he should necessarily go in the top 10. That's where I'm at as we record this here as we start the first week of July. Well, you know, in fairness, I, I have him in the top 10. Everybody doesn't. You know, uh, Sam Bassini, uh, uh, our former colleague and forever friend, has him going uh, 13th. Matt Babcock also has him going 13th. So I've seen Mitchell as high as 5'6". And as low as I think 13 is the lowest I've seen him. Um, so lottery pick, according to everything my eyeballs have 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 witnessed. But but you know, is it you know front half of the lottery or back half of the lottery? Uh, reasonable people can disagree on that. Uh, a very surface level evaluation is is encouraging. You, you just bullet point it this way. We're talking about a six two guard who's an incredible competitor incredibly tough, fast, aggressive, athletic, not only can guard, but loves to guard. Yes. I mean, you can go find, because I watched it this morning, uh, you know, the clips of him guarding Kate Cunningham, clips mm-hmm. of him guarding Jalen Suggs, and they are, they are having real problems with him. And those are guys that are going to go in the top five of the draft. Yeah. And they are having real problems getting, getting around Davion Mitchell. In fact, in most cases, they could not get around Davion Mitchell. So you combine all that with the fact that he shot 44.7% from three as a redshirt junior in this season that resulted in a national championship and what is not to like. The problem, of course, is that you've got to try to figure out, is he really a 45% three-point shooter? Mm -hmm. Or did he have a really nice, incredibly nice 30-game stretch? Instead of thinking of this as a season, think of it as a 30-game stretch. Because in his first two years of college, he did not shoot the ball well from three. In his first two years of college basketball, I should say. 28.8% from three as a freshman at Auburn. Then he set out that season. 32.4% from three as a redshirt sophomore at Baylor. So what 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 do you focus on more? 
the the total package. Like, oh, hey, okay, you played three years of college basketball, and the last one was exceptional from beyond the arc, but the first two weren't. So, so is did you actually fix the shot, or did you have a really great thirty game stretch? And I will, and I, you know what, I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I, I don't, I don't think he's a forty five percent three point shooter, um, but but I, I do think he's better than probably what he showed in his first two years of college. That would be a reasonable thing to assume. Uh, if you're looking for something that's discouraging, it is that he only shot sixty four point one percent from the free throw line, which is often mm-hmm. an indicator of what kind of shooter you actually are. And he's never shot better than sixty seven point seven percent from the free throw line in any of his three years of college. So I'm a believer. I want that made clear in case Davion Mitchell's ears hear this. But I can understand why some people would be a little more skeptical that he should actually be a top six or seven pick in this draft. Yeah, not just Davion Mitchell. I mean, we're very aware of the fact that, you know, this podcast is huge in in the Drew household. Well, the Scott Drew household. I, I don't want to speak for Bryce. This is Bryce, and I don't care. Yeah, I don't think Bryce gives Bryce, a damn think, about our thoughts. I, th- I think he's coming around on this. I don't know. I, I feel like he's coming around. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. But regardless, so uh, we do – listen, Davion Mitchell – if for whatever reason he becomes uh, an okay NBA player, he will join uh, a proud and impressive assembly line of great college players who just didn't absolutely, you know, take off at the next level. It's really, really hard to do that. Here's what I will say. Here's what Davion Mitchell was, okay? He was Baylor's most accurate three-point shooter, its most accurate mid-range shooter, its best defender, its vocal leader, played a higher percentage of minutes than anyone else on the team, 82.2%. That's a comfortable margin ahead of Jared Butler. Uh, and in fact, weirdly enough, though, I did check out Baylor's Ken Palm page uh, before we did this podcast. You know, Butler, it was Jared Butler who ranked high in the Ken Palm Player of the Year algorithm. He was number four in terms of overall efficiency and production last season. But I, I will note that the play, I think, Ken, and I think Pomeroy would even say this, that that algo can't fully account for defensive assignments and accountability. So it's it's more offensively slanted than defensively slanted. But I was nonetheless surprised that it took into account every single Baylor game. Davion Mitchell had a really, really good NCAA tournament. And he still wasn't in the top 10 in the sport, but he was number three in the Big 12 behind Butler and Cunningham with his overall output. Um I think what you get at here with his three-point shooting is something. Will he be able to have similar shooting success against much better defenders, right? Bigger players, longer length. You say 6'2". I think... Uh, yeah, I, I, other, I think other people six, say 6'1". I hear you. I like think he, he's he's little. Yeah. He's little. I mean, I'm 6'3", and I think I got two inches on him. I, I just... I don't think he's 6'2", and he doesn't have super long length, so... Again, will the past season be this magnificent crescendo? The way that so many guys, this is how it was done for so long. Not that it was the right way, but for a good 30, 40 years here, it was you play in college for three, four years, you grow, and then by that last year, you really develop into a really nice player. And then because of that, you get to go in the top 10, 15, 20 of the NBA draft. Davion Mitchell is going to benefit from that as he should. But I don't see, uh, like, I don't see Donovan Mitchell in his game. And uh, by the way, by the way, you didn't see Donovan Mitchell in his game, in Donovan Mitchell coming out of Louisville. And neither did I. Like yes. I, Donovan Mitchell is is a, the current NBA star who blows me away more than anybody else because he spent multiple years in college. We watched him a million times, and there is, at least from my perspective, absolutely nothing that happened at Louisville that suggested he was about to be an NBA superstar. 
That's correct. And there has been, uh, there has long been scuttlebutt that even Rick Pitino thought on a certain level that Donovan Mitchell would have been benefited by returning for one more year to improve his overall NBA projection. Donovan Mitchell, wonderful. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I had zero issue with him going 13 when he was picked in 2017. And now you see what he is. But anyway, I don't see that in, in Davion Mitchell. I don't. Um, I think, you know, if it absolutely hits though, the player that I actually, uh, I kind of like is again, length, length aside, like a Drew Holiday. Just made the NBA Finals here with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think someone like that, sure. And I do think that his stock might be hurt by his age. Again, the fact that he's going to turn 23, I think is going to it might cost him a spot or two or three. I don't know, but I think he can. I think he can be a really good pro. I'm just saying. I I think we do a good job on this podcast of these little episodes, these kind of bite-sized previews of these prospects of trying to give you. A lot of the good, some of the ob- objective criticisms there, and never want to fake it with you. I could see a situation where we look up and say, okay, he might have been picked 10 or 12 spots too soon. I just think that's p- potentially out there. We could be wrong, though. And defensively, I got zero issues with his with his commitment and his ability on defense. He's a film junkie, and listen, I think that because of how good he is and active he is, and he wants to be great on that end, that's why he's going to, like, he's going to, I'd be stunned I would be truly stunned if we looked up in five or six years and he wasn't playing in the NBA. I think he's too good on that end, even if his measurables aren't great. I think he will be a great defender. Just everything else that I've just, again, it's all relative. If you told me Davion Mitchell was the number 15 prospect by the consensus, I'd be like, that absolutely makes sense. But when I see him here, like, Billis has him number five, I just can't go that far. I I, I just, my eyes tell me that uh, he was a really great college player and I think he'll be potentially a good NBA player. Yeah, and, and it, you know, we're, we're, what to the extent that we're debating at all, we're debating whether he should go 5, 6, 7, or 13, 14, 15. I mean, right. it's still, nobody's going to argue he should be outside of the top 20, I, I don't believe, or, or not in the first round. Um, he's going to be picked um, in the first round of the NBA draft, probably in the lottery of the NBA draft. He's going to be a multimillionaire, and then we'll see what happens uh, after that. And though you are right, his age might hurt him with some, one of the things I like about him going to Golden State at seven, if Golden State is picking at seven, there's some thought that they could try to package everything they got to get another veteran who's ready to help Steph and Clay and Draymond immediately. Um, if you are exercising that pick at seven, are you bothered that he's about to turn 23 years old? When, when you're trying to t- t- take advantage of this Steph Curry, Draymond Green, mm-hmm. Clay Thompson window so uh, yeah, yeah yeah like if you're oklahoma city you might not like that he's 23 years old or if you're orlando you might not like that he's 23 years old but at golden state i don't care that he's 23 years old uh, that, to me that's just an indicator that he's he's better equipped to come help us do what we're trying to do uh right now remember golden state last draft they, they tried to draft for their quote future and it it has not worked out you know james wiseman was ineffective went from starting to not starting draymond green cussed him out every other game And now that I was going to say looks like a mistake, it doesn't just look like a mistake because an undeniable mistake. LaMelo Ball was on the board and you took James Wiseman. You messed that up. Um, I I don't know that they'll care about their, quote, future as much as as they care about their present picking seventh if the Warriors are indeed picking seventh. If you're trying to to enhance your present with a draft pick and Davion Mitchell is there at seven, then that that makes a lot of sense to me. Another thing I like about him is – it's not just he's a really tough competitor, you know, really gets after it. Like, it's a mindset with him. I can't remember whether it was Mark Few or somebody else connected to the Gonzaga program, but it was 
I, I, I just remember hearing the story, or maybe it was on the phone with somebody. I, maybe I read it. I don't remember the details, but somebody connected to the Gonzaga program was remembering, you know, the minutes leading up to that national title game, and and said when they looked across the court, and and they were mostly, I think, talking about Davion Mitchell. That like through warmups and and starting lineup announcements, it was like. Dude, are they mad at us? They look mad at us. <laughs> like, like, like they're ready to kill us. Well, I, this was also the lead anecdote of my title game column as well. Okay, maybe that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's headed. literally. Hey, hey, then I'll let you tell the story. Well, well, no, no, no. It was yes, it was. Uh, it's it's before the game. It's they're going through warmups. You know, the lights are down. I can't. I honestly can't remember. I think it must have been Bailey. Yeah, I was Baylor first, and then Gonzaga for introductions, right? Because Gonzaga was the undefeated. Team and all of that. And Davion Mitchell is standing there, arms crossed, just staring at Gonzaga. Like it's the national championship game. Sometimes guys are just kind of like they're they're bopping on their legs, you know, they're just they're stretching out, they're getting hyped, they're elbowing teammates or whatever, like, you know, high five and whatever, and they're just they're just getting they're getting into it. Davion Mitchell was locked in death staring. Gonzaga, and I just noted it when I saw it happen because it wasn't a thing where I was like, okay, happened for like three seconds. No, I'm talking like 45 straight seconds. He's just staring at them like a lion in the weeds waiting on the kill. And so I wound, they wound up winning, so I used it as the, as the lead anecdote to my, my title game. You might have heard it from Gonzaga as well or whatever, but yes, I did note that after Baylor well, obviously wound up destroying Gonzaga in the title game. That matters to me. Yeah, That's a mindset. Yes. That's a killer. That matters. And so that's a, if we're trying to find things to put in the plus column, that's, we got put it right up near the top. The guy is a killer. It's a mindset. And there's another thing I noticed at some point in the past month. There was somebody, um, a, a draft a- analyst, I, 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 I can't recall uh, who it was exactly, but it got retweeted into my timeline by Sam Bassini. <laughs> I saw this. I know what you're going to do. Fred Van Vliet did the same exact thing to me. Go ahead. Sorry. I was about to say this. Uh, so da- somebody is like tweeting about Davion Mitchell, and it's one of those like, you know, we'll see, but I'm real skeptical that he's going to be able to whatever, whatever, whatever. It was a, it was a I'm not sold on Davion Mitchell tweet. And like the first like is Davion Mitchell which suggests he is in Twitter searching his name and then reading and then liking criticisms. Like, okay, I'm going to hold on to this one. Uh, and and t- to me, that matters. That says something about him. And it doesn't mean like that he's too caught up in social media. It's like this is a guy who is motivated by skeptics and is determined to prove people wrong. And it did remind me of, and I'll let you tell the details of that one, but Fred Van Vliet did the same thing to one of your tweets once upon a time. And boy, look at Fred Van Vliet now. I don't bet against guys like that. I, I can't promise you that Davion Mitchell is going to be is going to prove worthy of a top five pick or a top ten pick or be an NBA All-Star someday. I'm just telling you, I I I hesitate to bet against people like that when when a lot of the other stuff is there. He's an athlete. He's a shot creator. He's a it, it, an incredible on-ball defender, super aggressive. Like the basketball stuff is there, and then the mindset accompanies it. He's ready to murder Gonzaga five minutes before tip-off. He's he's finding people who are doubting him in advance of this draft, and 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 and, and saving those tweets so that he can look at them whenever he needs to look at them, or or you know use them as receipts if he ever needs to use them as receipts. You put those two things together; those guys usually figure out a way to make it. Without a doubt. So, 
something happened with Van Vliet where I think this was also this was before the draft. Someone had tweeted something about Fred Van Vliet better not be dropped until the second round or something like that. And I said, listen, I absolutely, I, I basically tweeted something along the lines of, I absolutely love Fred Van Vliet as a college player, and I could well be wrong about this, but I am just not seeing him sticking long term in the NBA or something like that. And within now, Fred followed me. So, but within like sixty seconds, I see that it's liked by Fred Van Vliet, and so I DM'd him. I was like, "Man, go and prove me wrong. It's nothing personal." And he's like, "No, man, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Could use the motivation or whatever." And then, sure enough, Fred Van Vliet doesn't get drafted and becomes part of an NBA championship winning team. Love that story, and certainly, uh, certainly one to remember. I will really quickly here. I'm going to read you the lead to my column. You, I, I had forgotten that detail, uh, but this is how my title game column started from this past season. The red glare coming off the scorer's table couldn't match the one coming from Davion Mitchell's eyes minutes before Baylor throttled Gonzaga and ended the Bulldogs' undefeated dream season. Baylor had just gone through its team introductions. Now, it was time for the top-seeded, top-ranked, 31-0 Zags to be introduced. While most of his other teammates moved in place or walked around their teammates, Mitchell stood still in the dark arms crossed. Gonzaga read from the video board on the scorer's table, lighting up his face as he eyed the prey. Gonzaga had no idea what was coming. Less than five minutes later, it sure as hell did. Mitchell, who hit the game's first shot and set the tone for a definitive roasting that would come over the next two hours, and his teammates stepped onto the floor as though they were fired out of a cannon. Blink and it's 11 to 1 Bears. Turn your head and now it's 16 to 4. Baylor gave Mark Few's team its largest deficit of the season less than 10 minutes into the night and never looked back. Gonzaga was shell-shocked. That's how it started there. And yes, Mitchell was a humongous factor. So as we talk about what he might be as an NBA player, I, I don't want to put that stuff off to the side there. Tremendous competitor, loves to study the film, which does mean something to NBA front offices, guys that are committed to the craft genuinely, and he is genuinely committed to the craft. I think he's got a good shot. I just I wonder about his overall ceiling and how much of his potential was essentially... Uh, achieved this season and how much more might still be there, even if that is the case and he is, you know, 90% of the player that he'll ultimately be. It's still first-round material. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'm just, again, I'm just ambivalent on him as a as a long-term top-10 prospect in this draft. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Fred Ellis, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. Today on College Basketball Podcast, in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. Rate it. Five stars. Type some nice words if you got 30 seconds. Either way, we'll talk to you again a little later on this week. Until then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bell. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.